What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Welcome to the show on this Thursday. Heath's projections. I asked him to give me projections for five players that we don't talk that much about. And he and I are going to discuss Josh Jacobs along with Jamie as well. But, you know, we're going to get into a YPC discussion. and I'm just going to enjoy the heck out of it. Uh, Josh Jacobs, T. Higgins, Ezekiel Elliott, Kirk Cousins. These are some of the players that we'll go over the projections for. Because, you know what, I'm tired of talking about the same old players, the same old teams affected by free agency, affected by trades. Let's talk about some fresh names, some guys we haven't spoken all that much about. Also, Bruce Arians is no longer the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, moving into a front office role. We'll talk about that. Jamie is here. He has plenty of owners meeting notes. You should have seen the thread he had on Twitter. Great stuff, very informative, and really just fishing for compliments because so many people are like, oh, you're the best, Jamie. Thank you so much, Jamie. You rule. The only reason I did it. <laughs> yeah. It was actually very helpful, very informative. So we'll uh, we'll talk about Christian McCaffrey's role and, and things like that. Good morning, guys. What do you think about Todd Bowles coaching the Bucks? Any change, Heath? Any change in the Bucks projections? No, I think um, I doubt Todd Bowles has very much to do with the offensive production of the Bucks at all. I would say that's going to be all uh, on, on Leftwich, and uh, probably for maybe maybe there will be a couple of little hiccups here or there, but no changes for me. Let's let's just make it clear the pecking order of coaches for the Bucks. Tom Brady is the coach. <laughs> yeah. Todd Bowles will run the defense. Byron Leftwich will run part of the offense with Brady. And uh, I'm sure things will be status quo. Okay, so you didn't change the rankings or anything like that? I can't imagine that there's going to be much difference. Um, you know, maybe there's a you know, fourth and one and, you know, Bowles decides to be more conservative than, you know, fourth and three. And, and Bowles decides to be more conservative than Arians would have been. But you know, those type of scenarios could unfold as a defensive guy as opposed to, you know, no risk it, no biscuit. But um, Brady's going to have as as much say as as anything in this offense as anybody would have, including Bruce Arians. And so I, I, I don't think you should expect much difference from this team. And Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, actually calls the plays, has been calling the plays for a while. So that wasn't even Bruce Arians' role. And there was one there was just one thing that I thought maybe this could hurt. You know, Bruce Arians doesn't really care about the scoreboard. He could be up by 20 points in the fourth quarter, and and Brady could throw a touchdown. So I looked over the last two seasons. Brady threw five touchdown passes in the fourth quarter with a two-score lead. 
And I don't think that number would be zero without Bruce Arians. But that wasn't very much. You know, five touchdown passes where you might say, why is he throwing a touchdown pass here? Uh, and two last year, three in 2020. So I think it's it's nothing and not going to change much. Okay. Some other quick news items. Lamar Jackson. There's been a lot of talk about why aren't they extending him? Or when are they going to ex- give him a contract? And uh, you saw the owner talking about, well, whenever he wants, basically. Maybe he wants to do Kirk Cousins and just play it out and... And, uh, you know, pocket a whole bunch of guaranteed money, whatever. Lamar Jackson said it's uh, it's a false narrative that he's trying to leave Baltimore. So I hope that they can lock him up and he can be there for a while. He, he, he will be there for, my guess, at least three more seasons, barring them deciding that they don't want him. Um, look, he's in a great spot by waiting you know, as long as he stays healthy because what Deshaun Watson just got paid, you know, following Mahomes' contract, following Josh Allen, following, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, all, all these guys getting – these annual salaries just pushed up and up and up, you know, and, and look, you can debate Lamar Jackson and what he's been to Baltimore, good and bad from a win loss standpoint, not winning the playoffs, all those things. He's an MVP. He's still under 25 years old, I believe. Um, you know, the guy's going to, he, he's the next mega deal, you know, so w- whatever the case may be, you know, I don't think he's getting Mahomes long-term money, but he's going to probably get somewhere close to Deshaun Watson annual money because now the, the market has been reset. Well, I think the the Watson one was absolutely perfect. You're talking about a quarterback who has been phenomenal, but really has not accomplished as much as Lamar Jackson. Um, and it's only three games over 500. I don't think Deshaun Watson has won a playoff game, has he? Um, no, he played the Bills that one. Oh, maybe he has. They went 11 and five. They, they, I think he's won twice. Uh, yes, he did they, beat they, the Bills and then lost to the Chiefs by 20. Right, right. Um in 2019. That was right? a great one game, that game. One and one and two in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Two hundred and thirty million dollars all well, guaranteed from I mean, Watson got a big deal with the Texans, but then had to switch teams to get this amazing, you know, contract situation. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I mean, you know, coming out of the owners meetings, the only thing I think that's holding this up at this point has been Lamar representing himself, probably. Uh, but you know, he's betting on bet he's betting on himself and he's probably gonna end up paying off as long as he stays healthy. Would like to see a study how many teams win the Super Bowl with a after they give that big contract to their quarterback, you know, because it's it's obvious it's better to win it when they're when they're younger on cheaper contracts and you don't have to spend so much. You don't have to lose Tyree Kill because you gave Patrick Mahomes a gazillion dollars, whatever it is. By the way, speaking of Tyree Kill, he says he wants to return some punts with the Dolphins. He's returned two punts in the regular season in the last two seasons combined and no kickoffs. Uh, but um, is that right? Yeah, one return in 2019 and one return in 2020. Oh, I guess it's the last three seasons. Did he not return any punts in 2021? So that's that's part of his game is gone, but he wants to do that, not full-time, but maybe that would boost his value a little bit if you get any points for that in your leagues. Detroit has the number two pick in the draft. They are open to trading it. Who wants to give a top five? Jamie, you ready to give a top five? Everybody's open to trading it in this draft. Nobody wants to be at the top of this draft. Yeah, that's a shame. But I am starting to see mock drafts with quarterbacks going in the top five or six, like two of them in the top eight. And well, it depends. It depends on who you ask and the love of the guys in this class. It's obviously not on paper, even on tape, guys that seem to be difference makers at that position. Now they could become one. Malik Wills could become one. Kenny Pickett could become one. You know, you, you can go all throughout every quarterback that's got the opportunity, but I just don't think that, you know, I mean, first off, 
I think it's a third of the teams don't even have a first round pick. So, you know, it's, it's a matter of do any of these teams decide that they want to jump in, uh, into the first round, do any of them want to jump into the top 10, you know, do the teams in the top 10, uh, go at quarterback. I was talking to a guy who covers the, uh, the commanders and I said, you know, do they take a quarterback now that they have Wentz? And, and, and he told me no. Um, because they're, they're all in with Carson Wentz for at least the season. Plus there's nobody that stands out for them picking. I think they're at number 11. Um, the Panthers seem likely to take quarterback, but is it, is it going to be a guy that, you know, can change the, the tenor of that franchise and do it in, in 2022. So it's just, it's just a weird, weird draft class because of the quarterbacks not being that dominant again, at least right now, Malik Willis, you know, again, could be that guy, but it's just hard to say. And I don't really know, like. I, I totally get why there's not a Trevor Lawrence or a Joe Burrow in this class. I don't know why Malik Willis isn't viewed the same or better as Trey Lance was. Well, I have a terrible memory. I'm not going to lie to you, but I do believe I asked Emory Hunt that exact question to compare the two. And if you would like to know the answer, check out FFT and five. We did all these prospect breakdowns and uh, I think we covered that. So, I'm going to go back and listen to every episode I did with Emery before we really start talking about the NFL draft, which is less than a month away. And he, he gives incredible, incredible information. We did wide receivers. They're actually going to be dropping in this feed. They're already in FFT and 5. Wide receiver part 1 came out this morning. Wide receiver part 2 will come out tomorrow morning, just a day later in the Fantasy Football Today feed. But tremendous info uh, scouting these prospects. All right, and uh, the Chiefs, uh, not the Chiefs, sorry, the Vikings will re-sign Patrick Peterson to a one-year deal. Cornerback Patrick Peterson, you can hear him on the All Things Covered podcast with Brian McFadden, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Next week, Sleepers, Breakouts, and Busts, the early versions of Sleepers, Breakouts, and Busts on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I'm excited for that. Okay, let's do some projections. Heath, you ready for some projections? I cannot wait. And I, I love that you chose like the most controversial, like wide range of outcomes guy to get started with. Can't, <laughs> I, can't, I, I do like that. The most predictable guy in fantasy, Kirk Cousins. You have him at quarterback 14, <laughs> but he does have a new coach this year. And I don't know if maybe that changed anything for you. Here is where Kirk Cousins has finished in six point per passing touchdown leagues in his four seasons with the Vikings. Overall, 12th, 14th, 11th, and 9th. So three top 12 finishes. Per game, 18th, 16th, 12th, and 10th. So two straight seasons, 10th or 12th. You have him 14th, and that is just behind Stafford, a little bit farther behind Rodgers. So you go Rodgers, Stafford, Cousins, and ahead of Tua. What about Fields, Lance, Cousins? I don't like those guys are not guys that are being ranked in the Stafford Cousins Rogers range because they have a projection that puts them there. At least not for me. I, I those guys all project behind this this tier of pocket passers. They should be drafted in the same place, if not maybe above, because if everything goes right, they have top five upside. But they were so almost universally bad as rookies and the situations haven't necessarily improved a lot. So I, I don't have great projections for fields, Lance or Lawrence. Um, but I'd, I'd still draft them in that range. The, the one guy who I think is not in that tier that people probably think should be. And, and I'm not even so sure that maybe he shouldn't is Derek Carr with Devonte Adams. Now he's, he's actually just the, t- the next tier down, but it's pretty much Rogers Stafford and cousins almost indistinguishable. 
I do want to just talk though about Cousins and if anything changed for you with the coaching change as you evaluate the guy who's been a very steady, high end number two, low end number one quarterback. Yeah, I um I upped his projected pass attempts because like over the last three years, even when the Rams have leaned on the run, they've been less run heavy than what Minnesota's done. So I think he'll throw the ball a little more. Okay. They were 11th in pass attempts last year, but they were 30th and 27th the two years before that. That's Minnesota, not the Rams. Minnesota. Uh, Jamie, what do you think? Do you think that – we can just end it if we want uh, here. Do you think Cousins is just easy to, to rank them, or is there something underneath that you know that might suggest a bigger breakout or more downside or something like that for Cousins? I think he's actually going to have a bigger breakout. Uh, he's um, my favorite fantasy quarterback in this division, and that says a lot because of the guy that's been the two-time MVP. Um Kevin O'Connell's going to change the the uh, the potential of this offense in a big big time way. Mike Zimmer was holding this team back. Uh, you're going to see uh, the opportunity for Kirk Cousins to be in the passing numbers range last year with a more creative offense. You're going to see uh, better tight end play with Irv Smith back. You're going to see more three wide receiver sets with uh, KJ Osborne on the field. I was pissed that uh, I was driving while I was doing that startup dynasty draft heat because I had Osborne and, and Isaiah McKenzie queued up and I hit the wrong button um, uh, because <laughs> Osborne was the guy that I wanted. Um, I think you're gonna have a great season out of Dalvin Cook. Uh, this offensive line is gonna still be, you know, productive. Uh, you should definitely take Alexander Madison in case Dalvin Cook misses time due to injury because this is gonna be one of the better offenses in football. And Kirk Cousins has a chance for, I think, statistically his best year yet. So, uh, when I update my rankings, you know, I finally get a chance to, you know, come up for air a little bit <laughs> from this week. Um, he's going to move ahead of Rodgers and Carr, and I have uh, that right now, 13, 14. Yeah, I'm so just- still behind Stafford. Yeah, I still think Stafford's situation is a little bit better, but um, uh, they're—I agree with you—they're all kind of in a similar range. You know, it's—it's it's basically guys that you know have the chance to throw for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. You know, they're not going to run very much. Um, you know, but in good systems. And I think you see uh, the Vikings right now. I—I I think if things go according to how they would like it to go, which is you know obviously the case for most teams, but you know, Packers probably going to take a step back, and Bears still you know trying to figure out who they are. Uh, Lions still trying to figure out who they are, or at least getting better at what they were last year. Uh, Vikings have a chance, I think, to be the best team in that division. Well, I think this is pretty interesting. We should we should explore this here. So if I were going to play devil's advocate, I would look at the way Kirk Cousins finished last year. Because the end of 2020 and the beginning, like basically the last half of 2020 and the first half of, of 2021 was ridiculously good for Kirk Cousins. Uh, but he limped to the finish line. He had one game in his last four with more than 18 fantasy points. He had two games in his last six with more than 20 fantasy points. And Adam Thielen was injured for almost all of that. And I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but as Thielen didn't play down the stretch, Cousins really struggled. And you've got Thielen, I mean, he's he's old. And this is devil's advocate. Thielen's aging. Dalvin Cook maybe in the twilight of his career. Is it just a one-man show? I mean, we don't really know that Irv Smith can can contribute. We haven't seen that. We we like we hope so. But oh, but I think he's better than Tyler Conklin. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but I guess the Thielen thing, like, do they have do they have a number two? Or they just have Justin Jefferson. I guess that would be my no concern. Thielen. I mean, look, you got to worry about injury risk. But when you start to you know talk about receiving cores, and if everybody's healthy, I mean, this is going to be one of the better ones because of Jefferson and hopefully taking that step forward that we're ho- expecting to see. You know, third-year receiver. Finally uh, unleashing him, at least, you know, in terms of what the, the target share could be. I mean, you remember the narrative last year was, why aren't they using Justin Jefferson more? And then he, Mike Zimmer himself said, you know, we're not getting him the ball enough. I think it was like week seven. 
And from week seven on, you know, his targets started to rise. His production started to look like the guy we were waiting for. So this, this, it has to all come to it come and fall into place. And, you know, again, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm speculating here on how it's going to work, but I like the things that Kevin O'Connell is saying. I like the fact that he's coming from a, a progressive system as opposed to Mike Zimmer, who was, you know, a, a curmudgeon defensive guy that was, you know, going to let his team run the ball and play defense. And this isn't to say Dalvin Cook's going to be good. You just get a feel from hearing the things that O'Connell's saying and, and, and the things that you're hearing about the Vikings and looking at their personnel. And there's just a lot to like. And so, uh, obviously, Kirk Cousins has been um, frustrating as a real-life quarterback for for Vikings fans and for people who followed him. But statistically, he's had some good seasons, and and, and in this case, he might have the chance to have a great season. You know, so um, he's him, Carr. You know, you want to put Stafford in that group? I just think you know, Super Bowl is, it, it doesn't necessarily put him in this category. But quarterbacks that you wait for for fantasy, Kirk Cousins is going to win you a lot of fantasy leagues if things go right for him. Let's go to T. Higgins, Heath. You have him as wide receiver 18. I do suspect he will be drafted before that. Not much before, but uh, yeah, go ahead with uh, with T. Higgins. You have behind, in between, like Amari Cooper and Mike Williams, who are 12 and, this and 24. Is another area, kind of like the QB 12 through 15 ish range, where like projections wise, there's, I think, a 20 point difference between wide receiver 14 and wide receiver 24. It's, um, it does not take very much to move guys. I think we'll see a pretty similar year for Higgins as we saw last year. Obviously, we hope that he plays three more games. He only played 14 last year. I would not be surprised if the efficiency regresses just a little bit. The 9.9 yards per target he averaged was is pretty outlandish, but he has Joe Burrow as well. Um, the question is, if the pass volume goes up, how much do his targets go up? Or Jamar Chase in his second year, does he see a boost in what he saw in his target rate as a, as a rookie? And that's kind of what I expect is that Higgins' target rate stays or targets stay just about the same, that they do have some increase in pass volume, but that's mostly taken up by Jamar Chase making another improvement in the second year. Jamie, uh, yeah, it's wide receiver 18 in the projections, but as Heath said, very bunched up. But where do you have T. Higgins and what do you think? Just outside the top 12, um, you know, some of that will change with, you know, Godwin's health and potential suspension for Deshaun Watson in regards to Cooper. Uh, but I think Higgins is a borderline number one receiver, um, you know, but probably not far off from where he th- expects him to finish, you know, just as you said, jumbled up. Um, so anywhere from, you know, 13 through 18, I think is fair. Um, I do think, though, he's he's the type of guy that is going to be a little unnoticed because of the guy that he's playing opposite with but has the chance to maybe be better. We saw that stretch at the end of the season last year. He was out producing Jamar Chase. So Chase is going to get all the attention from opposing defenses, rightfully so. Um, I think it's a matter of does Hayden Hurst step into CJ Uzama's role and, you know, get the same type of opportunities that Uzama was getting at at the end of the season and when he was healthy. Does Tyler Boyd maybe take a step back because you have these two dynamic playmakers on the field as well. Um, This is going to be a better offense, which says a lot because they made it to the Super Bowl last year, but the offensive line is going to give Joe Burrow more time. And so, with the more time, does it lead to, as Heath has you know, said time and time again this offseason, more passing opportunities? Do they allow him to be a little bit more of a dynamic playmaker uh, in terms of Burrow? And what does that mean for the receivers? You know, I think with the, the Bengals, clearly they're chasing Super Bowls, but you start to see, especially with an offensive-minded head coach, you start to say, okay, let's let this guy chase legacy a little bit and chase MVPs and chase those type of things. Uh, the division's going to be better, so there'll be more competitive games. You know, I think you'll see a better offense clearly from Baltimore with with the healthy Lamar Jackson and a better run game. So, 
you know, we could see uh, some bigger games there. You know, I know Joe Burrow had some big games against the, the Ravens defense last year, but still I think you get more, you know, maybe back and forth there. Uh, Browns games can be a little bit more competitive, so more throwing opportunities as well. So I think T. Higgins is in a good spot. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that if you go running back, running back with your first two picks, you can get to, to round three, maybe even round four, depending on how, you know, the draft is going. And he can be your, you know, your one or your two if you don't focus on receiver early. Uh, I, I love drafting T. Higgins. I think he's going to have another solid season and maybe be even better if he can stay healthy, as he said. And he's been so productive when Joe Burrow has been healthy, you know, that rookie year. Just look up to the Washington game when we got hurt right before that. Uh, on pace for... 1,281 yards T. Higgins was with Joe Burrow in 17 games. So, uh, well, that's not including week one where he barely played and didn't have any stats. But even if I did include that, he would have been on pace for 1,139 yards as a rookie with a rookie quarterback. And then this past year, he was so good. Yeah, did you want to jump in there? No, I I actually asked Zach Taylor about T. Higgins. Um, And it's funny because I walked up to his podium when he was talking about Jamar Chase. And uh, unfortunately, I asked him the same question about Jamar Chase, which he said as I went back and listened to some of his comments, uh, the same answer a few times. So I, I apologize for, for uh, being redundant there. But then I asked him about T. Higgins, and he said, you know, he got caught up in in, in all the COVID stuff um, in terms of, you know, not having an offseason in his rookie season, you know, not not being able to, you know, take advantage. They call it the COVID mismatch, mismatch um, year, you know, and so – Last year, full off season, uh, but Burrow wasn't, you know, clearly ready to go. So now he's excited about those guys being on the field from the beginning, you know, from the beginning of, of minicamp on. And so hopefully that sort of rapport continues to grow. So uh, I think, again, it's it's something to whether, you know, you, you're at the middle of the wide receiver two tier as Heath has him at 18 or at the front of it, you know, closer to where I have him. I know Chris Towers, for example, very aggressive with T. Higgins having him, I think, as a top 10 guy if he still does. Um, there's just a lot to like about the situation, but clearly it's, it's, it's about where you're drafting. Mm-hmm. I guess if I had two concerns, Heath, for T Higgins, one you already addressed, Jamar Chase had 128 targets last year. You know, what if he has 160, right? What if he gets mm-hmm. true number one target share? They're both downfield guys that maybe it won't be like that. Maybe more like Tyree kill. Um, and the other one would be the a dot. He's, you know, got like a 12 A dot T Higgins, and that might mean low catches, you know, big plays, but not suited for PPR, I guess. But that those are just two things that come to mind. Otherwise, you're talking about the number two guy in a great offense. Yeah, I think I, the first one I definitely believe. The second one, like he was on a 90 catch pace last year on a team that was low pass volume. So I don't worry as much about the catches in full PPR. But I do worry that Jamar Chase is just a true alpha number one. And if he is target-wise, then he's probably the wide receiver one in fantasy. Um, but And that, that could hurt Higgins a little bit. But I think, again, we're probably talking about I've baked some of that risk in. And so if it happens, maybe he finishes as wide receiver 20 instead of wide receiver or wide receiver 22. I don't know that he has risk to finish as anything less than a, a number two wide receiver. Off subject, but I, I want to in my rankings that don't exist. I want to have Jamar Chase as number one. I don't see how you could not do Cooper Cup at this point. I mean, he just was so good, and he was even better in the playoffs, and we're not even going to look at those numbers when we look at 2021, but it's just I want him to chase there. I, yeah, I don't I don't think Cup's not the difficult one for me because I could tell myself a story about Cup. Um, it's Jefferson this year just because I don't think he has as much competition for targets. And I think we should expect there to be more passes in that offense. 
Oh, man. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, nah, I don't know. Not yet. Jamar Chase is your number one wide receiver. Top three, it, it, it's kind of sad that, you know, Adams has fallen and Tyreek Hill has fallen because we really did have a, a, a legit top five wide receivers. Uh, those top three are, are so locked in, should, should clearly be first round picks, and, and there's just so much potential. All right, let's talk about Derrick Henry here. You have him projected as RB3, and I'm guessing one and two are Taylor and Eckler? That's correct, and it's just absolutely insane. When you look at Derrick Henry, since the start of 2019, his 17-game pace is 2,100 yards and 20 touchdowns. <laughs> and 20 <laughs> catches? 392 carries is his 17-game pace. And so I do think that there's significant risk, but it's hard for me to project too many guys ahead of him in PPR with the way that he, I mean, yeah, he got hurt last year, um, but Christian McCaffrey's got hurt the last two years. Well, um, I guess my question is why, why, why Jonathan Taylor ahead of Derrick Henry? What does Taylor have that Henry doesn't? A, a few more, yeah, maybe 20 more catches is not nothing, but... Yeah, I, I guess if Taylor's the the number one guy, what what does he have that Henry doesn't? Uh, tw- tw- twenty catches. But is that really that enough? Because Henry's I, got twenty touchdowns. You know, I've got their yards projection pretty close. Um, and I think I have their touchdown projection pretty close as well. I don't have Derrick Henry projected for twenty touchdowns. I'm not going to project no. somebody for twenty. Like if he does that again, then he's just like whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, Jamie, running back three of the projections for Heath for Derrick Henry. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's certainly fine. Um, I, I have McCaffrey ahead of him because, you know, of the upside of what McCaffrey will do if he's healthy by comparison. Um, but you have to clearly, you know, factor in health. For both of these guys, you know, for, for Henry, you know, it's it's not about the amount of injuries that he's had because he's been so fortunate to avoid those. It's just a matter of is the workload now with an injury coming off of it going to become a problem for him and is, is his body starting to you know maybe break down i hope not i'm not going to draft him as such i'm not going to rank him as such but for bigger running backs the history tells us that you know this is the point of his career where everything is going to start to catch up with him so he's been an alien you know he certainly avoided those things and, and proven to be you know immune to them for the most part and and look to his credit uh the game where he had the foot injury he played through it and i'm sure if it was up to him he probably would keep playing you know the titans were clearly trying to protect him and get him back to the playoffs so, you know, I, I think he's going to have another special season. It is interesting, though, to compare him to Taylor because of what those two guys have done and their body of work. You know, Taylor in two seasons, Henry, you know, over the last four. Um, actually spoke to, uh, for a story I'm doing for either our magazine or, or, or definitely on the site, uh, a profile on Jonathan Taylor. So I spoke to their running backs coach yesterday, uh, Scotty Montgomery. And I was asking him in regards to Frank Reich's comment at the owners' meetings about Naeem Hines having a bigger role and what does that mean for Taylor in the passing game. And he said, you know, that Taylor stepped up from year one to year two in pass protection, showed that he could be, you know, more useful as a receiver. Um, obviously, you have to factor in what Matt Ryan does versus what Carson Wentz does. Wentz never really throwing to his running backs. Matt Ryan certainly is going to do that. But he said uh, they want to have both guys on the field as much as they possibly can. You know, and I think when you look at the receiving core for the Colts, it makes sense to have Naeem Hines on the field a little bit more. Um, he didn't say that Hines' role is going to come at the expense of Taylor and what he does in the passing game. But I think we can all expect that. Uh, Taylor probably loses a few catches if Hines is going to play a little bit more in, in some of those situations. Um, so I don't know if Taylor necessarily has a 20-catch edge over Derrick Henry. I'd probably say it's down to 15 now if I was going to look at it based on that conversation. 
But I still think you got to factor that in that, you know, he'll touch the ball maybe same amount of carries, uh, maybe a few more times in the passing game and touchdown potential, rushing potential, clearly about the same. Well, yeah, I mean, as far as the touchdown potential, he scored 20 last year. So I don't know that Henry really has a huge edge on him in touchdowns. But in Henry's favor, if you wanted to rank him number one, and I kind of forgotten about this, the first seven games last year, he was on pace for 44 catches. Yeah, um, they were. He had 18 catches in the first seven weeks, and 18 catches used to be his 16 game total. Yeah, that they was, fell that off. They fell off with, very quickly, though. That was also with AJ Brown and Julio Jones in and out of the lineup for those few games as well. So, you know, I would think that those two guys, you know, well, not not Julio, but you know, Robert Woods healthy, uh, AJ Brown healthy, upgrade at the tight end, Austin Hooper, you know, should be better than what they had there if, if things go right for him. Um, I think the thing that's in in favor for both Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines is, is clearly Matt Ryan because you know you're getting more of a statue quarterback. Not that Wentz was moving very much, but Wentz just didn't have that as part of his DNA to throw the ball to his backs to the same level. I think that Matt Ryan will will prove to, especially in Frank Reich's offense. So even if Taylor maybe loses some obvious passing downs work because Hines is going to be better in that regard, um, he still may be close to the the passing the, the reception total that he had last season. So maybe even my downgrading you know by five. Could be off. Yeah. Also, we saw a huge drop in yards per carry for Derrick Henry, which was predictable because now every single, all eight members of the 2000 yard club have lost at least a yard per carry the following season. And I'm just, I was doing this actually while you were speaking, looking at uh, all of the other previous seven and if they ever bounce back to the yards per carry they had in that 2,000-yard season, and almost none of them did. I think I have one more to look at was Terrell. Well, yeah, I mean, 5.4 yards per carry in YPC for life in 2020 was his career high. Yeah, but they weren't, but I'm, it wasn't even close. Like, almost none of them got back to pre-2,000-yard season form, but there are some circumstances. Some of them was, like, really late in their career and whatnot, but... Um, but any, yeah, I mean, but but he averaged twenty eight carries per game, it, it, Derrick Henry. It was insane. So if he doesn't do that, if he averages twenty carries per game or something like that, twenty. What? How much you have him for? Uh, I've got him for three hundred and eighty carries. What am I supposed to do that math? That's what twenty three, twenty three games. All right, that's a lot. 24? That's a lot. But I, I mean, guess that's he, what he was twenty three in twenty twenty. 23.6. Okay. All right, so yeah, let's get back to that, but hopefully he can get back up to five yards per carry, which he had been at uh, before last year. Okay, um, I'm going to do one more here, and let's do Josh Jacobs. So Heath just always loves Josh Jacobs. That's just kind of his thing. I don't think I love Josh Jacobs. I've got him 18th at running back, and he pretty much always finishes better than that. I was going to say, Heath always loves Josh Jacobs, but not so much in the projections. I don't know if I was going to say that, but yeah, RB17, he is, I think, a steal right now in the drafts that we've been doing. People don't seem to like Josh Jacobs that much. And the although, the, the did, he go in the, did he go in the, th- I'm sorry, did he go in the third round in, in our most recent one? I feel he went like in the fourth round. He went in the fourth round, yeah. So where should he go? Um, I, I think round three. three. Yeah, round three. Okay. The, the big question is like we saw that massive increase in his role in the passing game last year, and he caught 54 passes in 15 games. Um, Josh McDaniel shows up, has a long history of throwing to his running backs. 
but almost always throwing to a third down back and not the guy that's carrying the load on early downs. And so if Jacobs loses that, now he might gain some touchdowns because the other thing, it's hard to gain too much. He scored nine last year, but the other thing is Patriots running backs have always scored a bunch of touchdowns. Um, but I, I worry that his volume in the passing game is going to either go to Kenyon Drake or Brandon Bolden or, or someone not yet named. Yeah. But he, he has been, I'll give you Josh Jacobs per game and in three one, seasons. One other but, thing, yeah. like he has been, according to statistics, not good as a, a pass catcher. He averaged 5.4 yards per target last year, 5.3 the year before, 5.5 for his career. Six is generally viewed as about average for a running back. And two straight years, he hasn't been good as a rusher. He's, he breaks off almost no big plays. He doesn't have a carry. Two straight years, he doesn't have a carry longer than 28 yards. And I'm sorry, but his yards per carry is terrible last two years. Well, bad, four is bad, not bad. terrible. It's, it's not good. Four is not that good. It's not elite. It's about average. Not even close. It's, it's about average. When you talk about fantasy running backs that really make a difference, it's way below average. I mean, if you're comparing him to scrubs, then sure, it's, it's average. But it's not, it's not very good. I mean, but he was really good as yeah, a rookie. I don't know if I agree with that. And I don't know that it's him because as a rookie, he had eight carries of 20 plus yards. Uh, I think he's had five in the last two years combined. We've heard the, the previous regime talk about how it's not his fault. It's the offensive line has to get those secondary level blocks and things like that. And I could buy that because we know their lines, you know, hasn't been so great, but he has been an inefficient running back. Can we at least agree on that? He has been an inefficient running back in both the run game and the pass game. I just don't years. know, like, uh, Alan Kamara was at 3.7 last year. Najee Harris was, what, 3.5 or something. 4.0 for Antonio Gibson. I think four is pretty close to average. That's eh, not that good. You know, Kamara, like, that was so bad for I'm not so saying it's good. Kamara. I'm saying it's very close to average, and you keep saying it's not elite. It's not. You're saying the same thing. Eh, we're Okay, fine. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> yes, passing game does matter, but he dominates carries inside the five-yard line for this team. I mean, nobody touches him. He's the guy. So, Jamie, with Devontae Adams, does Devontae Adams help Josh Jacobs? And if so, how much? Well, I, I think also one thing that we've noted, you know, in Josh Jacobs' career is how he performs wins versus losses, you know, and, and this team should hopefully be better, but the division's going to be so tough, so does that necessarily mean that they're chasing points in some cases, which probably won't be great for him? But also, if they're in competitive games where they're playing with a lead and maybe, you know, the Broncos are chasing or the Chiefs are chasing, but, you know, they, they come back and it's a great game, um, you know, Jacobs should still get a, a heavy workload there. The McDaniel situation is, is very hard to figure because, as, as you noted, Heath, it's usually been a third down guy. Um, has he had a running back to Josh Jacobs' caliber? I mean, you could say maybe Damian Harris could have been that guy um, if they allowed him to, but it's, it's hard to say. Uh, especially since, you know, both guys, uh, you know, similar type of pedigree from, from the schools that they played it or schools they played it. Um, I think in the, the thing I struggle with is Josh Jacobs is the it's the tier that he's in, at least for me, of David Montgomery and Aaron Jones and James Conner and Leonard Fournette. And, you know, once you get past, you know, hopefully Javante Williams stays ahead of that group. But it's that that those guys that have very positive situations, you know, if things go right or. Some questionable situations, you know, if things just don't necessarily pan out for them. So when you get to uh, as early as the, the the beginning of round three, maybe the back end of round two, um, 
through that third round and how you built your team, which I think is in, in the case of the one draft you're referencing, Adam, which is why Josh Jacobs fell because there wasn't really a big run on running backs in the third round. It really was the early part of end of round two, early round three. And then it was, you know, a couple guys and he just didn't happen to be in that group. Um, I think Jacob's going to make a lot of fantasy managers happy, you know, based on the value that he's going to, you know, bring you where he gets selected, especially if he does fall in round four. But as a lead running back for the Raiders right now, I think he's in a good spot. I think the offensive line is still something that they have to focus on, but this team overall should be better. And I think that will benefit him in a big way. Mm. What do you think about this guy trashing me in the chat? Have you noticed that Jamie and Heath seldom agree with Adam's assertion and they always look irritated with him? Do you look irritated? Are you irritated with me? Currently? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess so, Donnie Brook. You're onto something here. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Jamie's owner's meeting notes and your tweets, your emails, your Apple podcast questions to end the show. We appreciate all of your questions. Thank you. Keep them coming. And uh, we'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We heard from Dave a couple of days ago, some of his big takeaways from the owners' meetings. Here's Jamie. All right, let's start with what Doug Peterson said about the backfield. Jamie, Travis Etienne, James Robinson, they're doing well, but Etienne is ahead of him. What did you think about Doug Peterson's comments? Well, I mean, it all makes sense. You know, ETN, the reports were he was, you know, going to be ready for the start of their offseason work. You know, Peterson, you know, kind of confirmed that. Uh, Robinson, given the nature of his Achilles injury, you know, probably not going to be ready at the earliest until, you know, training camp and, and closer to the season. I, I would guess at this point you have to plan for him to be on the pup list. Um, you know, it was really more about uh, what he thinks of ETN. You know, he, he said something. I didn't include this in, in the tweet that I sent out, but he said – that they're going to build on the things because the same running backs coach, Bernie Parmalee is the, is the running backs coach there. So they're going to build on some of the things that they did with him before the foot injury and using him in a variety of ways. You know, I think if you look at Peterson's track record, he likes throwing the ball to his backs. Uh, another reporter asked, you know, is he strictly going to be a running back? I'd ask him, you know, can you envision him as, as the lead back? He said, we do. And then there was a follow-up question. Will you also be creative with him and maybe not use him strictly at running back? And I would imagine if James Robinson is healthy, that they would like to move him around and, and do some of the things that he was drafted to be and some of the things we saw maybe from at Clemson. So there's a lot to like about Travis Etienne's situation. You know, this is going to be a much better offense in Jacksonville to what degree we'll find out, but better offensive line, you know, better production out of uh, Trevor Lawrence, better coach clearly with uh, with Peterson. And so if Etienne is that lead rusher, you know, potentially for six weeks, if, if Robinson's on the pup list, we'll see how they – you know, backfill that running back room. But I think Travis Etienne has, uh, has an opportunity to maybe run away with the job if things go you know, right for him early in the season. And then Robinson, I think, you know, still has plenty of value if he can get back on the field a la Cam Akers and come back sooner than later. But 
we know that that injury hasn't necessarily been very you know helpful for a lot of players certainly at that position uh acre sort of has you know been uh, uh more of an anomaly than anything else would you rather have travis Etienne or aj dylan Etienne. Etienne. Would you rather <laughs> would you rather have Travis Etienne or Elijah Mitchell? Mitchell. Um, I would rather have Etienne in PPR, Mitchell in non PPR. All right, let's talk about. I don't know how much we have to get into this, but it's funny we spend a lot of time talking about what Pete Carroll says. Yet we know that nothing Pete Carroll says <laughs> really matters. But they seem to want DK Metcalf to stay. So Heath. All the, you know, we love DK. We want to keep him. We intend to keep him, all that. From a dynasty standpoint, what what should we do with this information? I mean, it, right now, him leaving has to be one of the top two options. The other one being the Seahawks getting a quarterback. Um, so I've, I've not moved him at all. Like you said, I, I'm certain that Pete Carroll does want DK Metcalf to stay. Um, I don't know if that tells us anything about whether DK Metcalf's going to stay. Jamie, Denver head coach Nathaniel Hackett wants his wide receivers to play all over the field. And I would really welcome that. I do not want Jerry Judy to just be a slot guy. But what do you make of this? I, I, I mean, I kind of expected it, you know. So I, I think you'll see, you know, in two receiver sets, you know, probably Tim Patrick off the field, you know, Judy will be on the outside, um, you know, with, you know, whatever focus on uh, Albert O. Um, I think in three receiver sets, Judy probably makes the most sense to be inside, but I think they'll move Sutton around. I think they'll move Patrick around. I think they'll give those guys different opportunities to sort of, you know, learn different roles and, and see where they thrive. But, um, you know, it's nice to see, and I, I asked Tack at this as well, you know, and I think I mentioned this on a previous show that I spoke to Cortland Sutton, but to see that Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton are already throwing and Jerry Judy now is out there throwing with them. Like they're not waiting until organized team activities. They're ready to get that rapport established. And Hackett's one of these guys that when you talk to him, you know, he's he's very, uh, very positive and, and very excitable. So, you know, he's, he just exudes, you know, kind of this feeling like, you know, this is an offense that you want to gravitate toward because things are just heading in the right direction. So um, it'll be fun to uh, to draft these guys. Uh, um, I still think Judy is the, is, is the best one, uh, but I don't think Sutton should be far behind. And I think Patrick, as, as we've said time and time again, may end up being the best value of these receivers just based on his opportunity to be the third guy in what should be a very productive offense. And Cliff Kingsbury spoke about Rondell Moore and based on the comments seems committed to getting Rondell Moore more involved. Did you feel like you got a reason to move Rondell Moore up in your rankings, Jamie? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think just the, uh, the, the two things, one, and, and this was kind of a theme, you know, and I, I didn't want to bring this up with Jamar Chase uh, per se, but Zach Taylor was asked about, you know, Jamar Chase in this role. And I asked Rondell Moore about this role. And I think you heard it with several other receivers about, we know it's a copycat league and, and what the 49ers did with Debo Samuel, especially since there's so many, you know, clones of uh, the McVay coaching tree, essentially. But, you know, the Kyle Shanahan, you know, McVay guys uh, that they're going to try and put these guys in the backfield more. And Rondell Moore makes a ton of sense. You know, I asked uh, Kings- Kif- Cliff Kingsbury, I always butcher it, <laughs> um, because we, we know Rondell Moore did a little bit of that in college that he said, absolutely. You know, we saw what Kyle did with, you know, he, he said that unsolicited. We saw what Kyle did with, with Debo and how successful it was. And Rondell Moore, we have to put the ball in his hands. So he said he's going to step into the Christian Kirk role. He said there was a number situation last year in regard to uh, Hopkins and, and Kirk and A.J. Green being on the field and being ahead of him. But now this is Rondell Moore's chance to hopefully 
take a bigger role, take advantage of a bigger role, run some different routes, maybe touch the ball out of the backfield a little bit, especially if they don't bring in somebody to fill the uh, Chase Edmonds role um, as the pass catcher out of the backfield. So Rondell Moore, I think, is uh, is somebody that has the the potential to get the rocket ship emoji and, and be fun to draft this year based on uh, hopefully a, a week one start from Kyler Murray with no no holdout and, and this Cardinals offense really needing him to take that big step forward. So it sounds like he's going to be Debo Samuel plus Christian Kirk plus Chase Edmonds, which is going to be an absolute monster. But more importantly, did you ask Cliff what he thought of the nickname Placebo Samuel after he referenced Debo in his answer? I did not. Sorry, it wasn't. That's, that, that's disappointing. <laughs> that's really disappointing. I bet you he would have been like, uh, it, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. And finally, <laughs> uh, Matt Rule said that Christian McCaffrey – uh, quote, we can always move him around and utilize him, but at the end of the day, he's a back. You can do a lot of things with Christian, but to take him out of the backfield, to me, is taking away what he does best. And uh, I don't want to, you know, we can just leave it at that because we have not well, saved I, enough. Oh, go ahead. All right. I, I just, it was, uh, you know, I asked Matt Rule, um, does he ever just close his eyes and envision what it would be like to have McCaffrey for 17 games? You know, and he said, you know, we're, we're expecting that this year. He talked about, you know, the the type of injuries that he dealt with. Then there was a follow-up question in terms of, you know, keeping him healthy. Would you want to take him out of the backfield and maybe make him more of a slot option? And he said, you know, he was asked about that last year. He talked about that last year. And he said, you know, the comps of what Christian McCaffrey is and will be if he's healthy, you know, Marshall Falk, he referenced Edmund Smith. I didn't get that one, but Marshall Falk makes a lot of sense that you don't take him out of what his natural role is, you know. So I don't think you should expect to see a – Deontay Foreman or whoever else they bring in or Chuba Hubbard, you know, as, as the primary running back and Christian McCaffrey split out wide, uh, that just would, would not be something I think Matt Rule is looking to do if Matt Rule makes it through the season because he's probably the most likely coach to, uh, to get fired early in the year if things go wrong. Now let's read some tweets and Apple podcast questions and emails. Our email address is fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. That is the letter I, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here's a tweet, though, from Michael. I keep waffling. Whoa. Waffles on whether Saquon is a buy or a sell in Dynasty. What say you? Uh, depends on the price. Okay. <laughs> I, I, would be, I would be more apt to buy as a contender. I would be more apt to sell as as a rebuild. Um, I think the problem is that you know people still value Saquon differently. You know, if you're buying him, you're trying to buy him cheap with the idea that. He's done. And if you're selling him, you're still holding on to the fact that, well, when he's healthy, he's got a chance to be still a special talent. So he's just kind of in that gray area for for the fantasy manager, either with him or trying to acquire him. And that's, I think, the problem in trading him is that, you know, both sides have certainly different views on Saquon Barkley. And it's like he is a player who could have three good games to start the season and really increase his value in terms of dynasty. Like, like We see a month of old Saquon and people are going to get more excited. But he's also a running back who's, what, 26. He's probably going to get less valuable moving forward. Um, I, I, In terms of draft capital, I think he's worth about this seventh or eighth pick. Um, I might pay a little more for that if I was a contender, and I might take a little less for that if I was a rebuilder. I think the Giants... I think, you know, you, what you said there was was appropriate. Like, if you're... If you're looking to acquire Saquon Barkley and nobody is necessarily shopping him, but you're looking at the team and saying, okay, that doesn't seem like a very good dynasty roster, right. that you wait until the, the season unfolds. And if he gets off to a slow start, then you know you 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 pounce with the hope that he's going to you know, maybe bounce back as the season goes on. But also, if you feel like your team's in really good shape and, and you, you can give up a first-round pick, like you, you pony up for it 
and say, okay, I hope that this is going to be sustainable throughout the course of the season. So he feels like more of an in-season trade than a preseason trade. I, I don't know if you guys care about this with Barkley, but if I'm projecting who's going to have the number one pick in the draft next year, I mean, the Giants are right there. They are clearly tanking. They are going to be terrible. And, I mean, beyond terrible. And, I I mean, I just hate I hate running backs in that situation. Right. So, But I, obviously he has to do a lot in the passing game because they're just— Do you think they're tanking? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they gave away—I mean, they didn't re-sign Logan Ryan, or, or they cut Logan Ryan uh, because just for no reason. Basically, it wasn't expensive. They're going to trade James, uh, James Bradbury, or they're going to cut him. He's not going to be on the team, so that's two starters in their secondary. Um, They're—I mean, they have—they are awful. They know it. They are not spending money. They didn't have any money to spend. They are trying to get the number one pick. I, I, I mean— they're trying to put themselves in contention for the number one pick. They're going to have a new quarterback in 2023, and yeah, they suck. They also uh, have the capital of the rookies that they draft make impacts. That might be tough to do. But they're going to draft offensive linemen, you know, so... Which could make an offense very good quickly. Not two rookie. I don't know about two rookie offensive linemen. It, typically, rookie offensive linemen don't really do that, but I don't know. They suck. Uh, anyway, Apple Podcast question. Imagine taking Andrew Thomas over Tristan Wirfs. Andrew Thomas is really good. He's he's their arguably their best player. I would I would say he is their best player. Maybe Xavier McKinney. Apple Podcasts from Joe. Maybe Saquon Barkley. Uh, just wondering what Clyde Edwards Elair's value is in a dynasty league in a fourteen team dynasty league. A late twenty twenty two pick or better to hold him for now. Or a late, uh, a late first round twenty twenty two pick or better to hold him now. Clyde Edwards Elair. Hey, I, I wouldn't take. Pick 13 or 14 for him. Um, I think he's in that 10 to 12 range in terms of pick value. I think that this Ronald Jones thing could be good for him if he actually gets all the work in the passing game like I, like I suspect he should. Okay. From D. Tran, I'm in the third year of a 1QB half-point PPR league with three flex spots. I haven't made the playoffs the first two seasons. So trying to uh, rework my team. I have a big boy trade offer. I want some insight. The offer is my Jamar Chase and Austin Eckler. No. Yeah. For Elijah Mitchell. <laughs> this is terrible. Elijah Mitchell, Ramondre Stevenson. It's not terrible. Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, 1.8, a 2023 first, and a 2024 second. Chase and Eckler. Chase and Eckler for all that? Yeah. Well, I mean, Heath, you you said that this could be the year where Eckler falls off, right? Mm-hmm. So, is Chase worth McLaurin, Johnson, and a first this year? I would say yes. This is not as bad as I thought. The problem is, like, if I would assume, like, I would like to trade Eckler in this situation if you want to see what you can get for Eckler. Um, I don't. I don't understand trading Jamar Chase, but the problem for me is you're giving up the two clear best players in the deal. And so I let's just say right off the bat, it's a one quarterback league, right? Yeah. So let's say right off the bat, the eighth overall player right now is running back three, wide receiver five, maybe. Okay. Or four and four, you know, however you want to split it. That player alone is not better than either of the two by itself. Is McLaurin and Johnson with new quarterbacks and that player 
worth Jamar Chase? Um, so I have McLaurin and Johnson. Let me find Johnson because I, I want to see how close I have them. Um, so you're adding a third. So it that's that's very close. By the way, it's half it's very PPR. Close. McLaurin so Johnson and the eighth PPR. pick in the draft is very close to um to Jamar Chase. So now, now you're factoring. So let's just say that's the trade by itself. That part of it. Give me the rest. Then it would be Eckler for Elijah Mitchell, Ramondre Stevenson, a 2023 first round pick, and a 2024 second round pick. And we don't know where the 2023 first is or the 2024 second. So most likely you're giving those two players. It's probably going to be to a team that's going to win. So figure back into the first round. So not the most ideal, but Eckler would then be 28, right? Going into his age 28 season. Yeah, I, I think like in a vacuum, that's probably a, a, a fair, more than fair offer for Eckler. I just hate giving up the two best players in the trade. Oh, I'm with you. I, I and, and look, it doesn't seem like you're getting, because McLaurin may have reached the ceiling, which, you know, would be unfortunate to say, and Deontay Johnson may have reached the ceiling as well. You know, we just don't know because of how things are changing for those two respective players. But it's not horrible. I would I would like to get more in return, but it's not horrible. I mean, you are getting... Yeah. You are getting players that still keep you afloat, you know, with with you know Mitchell and and look, Stevenson may end up being great if if Damian Harris misses time. So there's 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 still a lot to like about this, but it's it's just so hard to trade Jamar Chase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if this is from Drew, we go to our emails here. Fantasy football at CBS. I'll tell you what. Ask for a second this year or a third this year. Maybe that that puts you over the top. If you're giving up Chase and Eckler. No, no, no. The same package, but ask for another draft pick, you know, maybe this year as well. That wouldn't do anything for me, though. Like a second or a third? I don't know. It's tough to give up stars. Stars win you fantasy. You're giving up two of them. Maybe getting zero. Well, I think we've covered that trade. Oh, that's a good one. Sorry I dismissed it so easily, D-Tran. Emails from Drew and Buffalo. Josh, Jim, Joe, and Doug. Those have to be Bill's. I don't know who they are, but Josh Allen and Doug Flutie. And Joe. Oh, and Jim Kelly. I forgot about him. Who's Joe? Bill's quarterback named Joe. (laughs) Grade the trade. 10-team PPR Dynasty League. I traded Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Hopkins, Russell Wilson, Clyde Edwards-Elair, and pick 203. Dalvin, Hopkins, Wilson, Clyde, and 203. For Javante, Higgins, Mahomes, 103, and 403. You won the trade. Yeah, I was trying to do all the math here, but I think Jamie's answer is probably the easier way to do it. (laughs) I'm going to say, what do we say? B plus. Yeah, I mean, look, you gave gave away, obviously, good players, but you gave away aging players, and you're getting, you know, younger players in return with still some draft capital, too. Next email is from. That is the biggest trade. I'm 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 going to continue doing the math while you guys talk about the next okay. question. Okay, Jeff from a college town north of the Red River. That is that in Oklahoma. Must be right. Yeah, dear Alan, Ben, Janet, and Jerome. You know this, Heath. I'm sorry. Alan, Ben, Janet, and Jerome. 
I'm sure I do, but I'm not thinking of it right now because I'm trying to figure. I'm, I'm doing a lot of a lot of math here. Adam. I'm just kidding. I nobody would have known that they're former Fed chairs, uh, Federal oh. Reserve chairs. Okay, uh, so trade grade the trade. Give up Jalen Waddle and a third round pick in 2023 and a fourth round pick in 2024. So Waddle and a third and a fourth for Elijah Moore and a first-round pick in 2023. I'm getting widely criticized, and candidly, I felt pretty bad about it since I hit accept. I don't know. I mean, there are just some absolute monsters of trades happening. Yeah, Waddle and a, and a third in 2023 and a fourth in 2024 for Elijah Moore and a 2023 first. So the guy I was doing the math for won the trade by about 40%. Excellent. I'm giving you an A+. Um... I don't know about this one. I, I mean, it, it's so hard to gauge because can Waddle with Tua still thrive as the second option? And he may have more targets than Tyree Kill, and he may have more targets than Tyree Kill quickly. Um, that would be a surprise, but it might happen. Can Elijah Moore step forward and be that guy for the Jets? So, what do you think? You are getting a first in return, giving up a third and a fourth, and in rookie only drafts, that's that's huge. So I would say you did okay. I give it a B minus. I would rather have the Elijah Moore side of that deal. Ah, all right. From Sergio, rate the following group of young receivers. We're going to go rapid fire here, guys. Rate the following group of young receivers for the rest of their careers without saying the word depends. (laughs) Uh, Gabriel Davis, Hollywood Brown, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, Tyler Boyd. Uh, Diapers. (laughs) <laughs> Pampers. Rate them? Yeah, well, I, rank them. I can't just, can rank, I just rank them? Yeah, rank them. Rank okay. Um, <laughs> Elijah, Hollywood, Rondale, Gay, Boyd. Sure. Okay. That's, uh, that's Sergio. Here's from Chase. Dear Cody, Rex, Fives, and Hunter. Hunt Troopers. <laughs> They are clone trippers, yes. Uh, we're switching our full PPR redraft to a Superflex league, and I wanted to know when in the draft do you switch off quarterbacks and take Jonathan Taylor? Third. Uh, second. First. Who's your first pick, Jamie? Alan. Alan. Yeah, Alan's first. This is from Nick. Would you trade Swift... For Akers, Dylan, and Gainwell in a PPR Dynasty League. If you needed, if if you had Swift and let's say Mike Davis as your running backs, then yes, I would do it. If you have, you know, enough capable options around Swift, then no. I'll change a little different answer and say no in a 10-team league, yes in a 14-team league, and what Jamie said in a 12-team league. Steve Haddock from Denver, Colorado is in a 12-team half PPR Dynasty Superflex League. What should I do with Saquon Barkley? I'm a top contender. I'm playing to win now. My other running backs are Gibson, Akers, and then Junk, basically. I have no first-round picks until 2024. I have very little depth at running back. Should I try to hold or flip Barkley for a future first-round pick? I'm a top contender, and I'm playing to win now. Keep what so it said. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and if you get off to a bad start, then and he's playing well, you can flip him. 
Uh, what do we always say about Christian Wilkerson, Heath? Simo. What's that? Simo, Southeast Missouri State. Yeah, but what do we say? He's we. I can't stand him because he screws he, up. He always screws up the points per game because he scored like 19 points in one game. And so when you look at the fantasy points per game, Christian Wilkerson messes everything up. Yeah, he's the top five. So whenever you have to look at somebody who's you know 15th or any whatever after top five, you have to subtract one. Because of Wilkerson. Anyway, Matt sent us an email. He says, hey, Azer, as a Southeast Missouri State University alum, I just wanted you to know how much joy it brings me every time I hear you guys mention Christian Wilkerson messing up the points per game rankings. It's probably the second biggest contribution my school has ever brought, the NFL. Former New England offensive lineman Dan Connolly is our pride and joy. So someone's enjoying it. Good. Yeah, I, I never visited SEMO, uh, but I did date a girl from SEMO once. How'd that go? Okay. Okay. It was fine. Ended on good terms. Good. If Taysom Hill, this is from Dan, from the home of Aaron Rodgers' ex, Shailene Woodley. Uh, I don't know where that is. I don't know. Oh. Uh, if Taysom Hill was moved to tight end, where would you rank him? Would he be a cheat code tight end? I don't think so. I think the uh, the Taysom Hill experiment might be completely done. The only person who ever liked him <laughs> left. <laughs> Yeah, no, if you want to lose, that's the cheat code. But no, he's not going to have much value, we don't think. Uh, from David, I'm in the third year of a half-point PPR, one QB Ooh, this league. is a good trade. We should really consider this one for a while. We're going to skip this one. This one is yeah, in so he, Jay, Jamie, this guy <laughs> traded Jason Stop. Eckler for Elijah Mitchell, Ramondre Stevenson, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, and two first-round picks and a second. We're going to have okay. to evaluate this. Okay, listen. So would you I, trade Jamar Chase for? <laughs> I did the emails. Schrager did the Apple Podcast question. I didn't realize there was an overlap. My bad. Uh, from Zach. Can't blame Ben when he's not here. I'm, not, I'm blaming both of us. I can do that, right? So Zach is asking about this trade. PPR Superflex Dynasty 12 teams. I give... <laughs> All of my 2022 draft picks, five picks, pick eight in each round. I get Antonio Gibson and Tom Brady. He's got a pretty good team. Oh, yeah. I think you got to do this. You're a contender now, clearly? Yeah, because he'll have Kyler and Brady at Superflex. He'll have Mixon, Kamara, Najee, Gibson. He'll have Godwin, McLaurin, Thielen. Yeah, he's a contender, I'd say. Yeah, do it. What is he giving up? All of his 2022 draft picks, which is pick eight in each round. So it's for Brady and who? Gibson. Ugh. And it's super flex. I mean, I who's think Brady's worth... Kyler and Lance. Oh, but who's the other one? Lance. <sighs> I'd do it. I guess so. I mean, the fact that you have Kyler and Lance for next year... Gives you you Kyler and Brady for the next five years. Yeah, Brady with the Dolphins is going to be good. All right, from Oda. Hey, Chase, J Javon, and Chuba. Oh, I don't know. Grade the trade, 10-team half PPR. Give up Justin Jefferson, who's worth a second-round pick, and Cordarrelle Patterson, who's worth a 15th-round pick, and get Jonathan Taylor, who's worth a second-round pick. So Jefferson and Patterson for Taylor. And Patterson's worth a 15th round pick. The other two are worth second round picks. I'd do it. Yep. It was a minus. Uh, I think, oh, Chase, Javon, and Chuba are Canadians. Javon Holland. 
Okay, great. And uh, this is from, I'm sorry, that sounded mean to Canada. I love Canada. This is from Joe. Who do you prefer in Superflex? Who do you prefer in Superflex? Jalen Hurts and Michael Pittman or Justin Fields and Chris Godwin? Uh, there's such a big gap for me between Godwin and Pittman that I would take that side. Yeah, I would too. Great. Thank you, everybody, for the emails and tweets and Apple Podcast questions. Well, Austin Eckler's worth. <laughs> we'll talk to you on Monday with another episode. Remember, it's early sleepers, breakouts, and busts next week. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great weekend. Make sure you check out uh, the podcasts that are going to be dropping in this feed, but also in FFT and 5 with Emery Hunt, the prospect profiles. And we'll talk to you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.